Welcome everybody to the cast from the coast. My name is Adam Miles and I'm joined as always by Josh Lambert and Tim Johnson. What are we talking about tonight, Tim? The beautiful remake. Beautiful remake of Night of the Living Dead Tim, give us the synopsis, please. Well, in order to not sound like I'm repeating myself, because the last episode was the exact same as this episode. The undead returned to life to seek human victims in a farmhouse. Good. Is there a ragtag group? From Pennsylvania? From Pennsylvania, yes. Yes, how what? did you guys know? Lucky guess, I Isn't guess. Is there a, yeah. lead, a lead black actor? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and was he fucking awesome? Yes. Yes. All right, so let's talk about this. So as we were kind of discussing behind the scenes, folks, the way that we're going to actually do this episode is because we've already talked about Night Living Dead 1968. We don't want to kind of rehash on that. What we want to do is we want to talk about what what happened to make the 1990 version, the differences, the new actors, the differences to the story. And we'll go from there. Okay. So let's take and into account. Effects. And this, of course, that's a big part of the differences here. Tom so Sabini directing, you know, the special effects are going to be real nice, real nice. <laughs> which is true. So here we have a love and homage to George Romero in the 1968 classic directed all the effects work, uh, story rights, everything. John Russo helping out Tom Savini, the man himself basically taking the helm and saying, I'm going to create my love, my, my love letter to the original and what a job he did. So even though this was not the biggest budget by any means, and it kind of does play like it would be like a, like a Stephen King made for TV miniseries type of movie. Like it's got that kind of a tone and feel. Cause it's a, it's a nineties. It was like a direct video nineties movie. So it's got that feel to it, but man, he stacked this film. So Ben, we love Ben, Ben Dwayne Jones from 1968 in this time played by the candy man himself. Tony, Tony Todd. Todd. Brilliant. I love oh. Tony Todd. I do too. And you know what? I can honestly say, next to Dwayne Jones, Tony Todd's the only other person that could pull that character off that way. Tony killed it. 
Tony killed it. Killed it. He's perfect. He's absolutely pitch perfect in this movie. It, it you couldn't have had a better better casting for this character. Ever. Believe it or not, I actually feel Tony Todd's portrayal of Ben was a little bit more realistic. Yep. Absolutely. All of their characters were a little more realistic in the 90s. Yeah. It, yes. Um, also more befitting to the time. Once again, you yeah. gotta you gotta think, right? So they would have rewritten a lot of this to to kind of update it for the time. I didn't live in 1968, so trying to compare how they would have acted and handled situation mentally, I can't really comment. It seems realistic enough to me for that time period. Looking back at it, 1990, I was alive. I'm telling you right now, that's the shit. That's how that shit would have happened. You know what I mean? Those characters are as real as you can get in this one. So. Once again, Tony Todd, Ben, absolutely amazing. Big differences with this character. Um, he's, even though Ben was a badass, Tony Todd more so seems more like an experienced badass. Like, he's yeah, got badass. he's got life experience to him at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got that twinkle in his eye to say, okay, I'm going to get through this. I just need people around me that know their head from their asses at this point. And we're going to go from there. So, there's that. Moving down the list, we have Patricia Tallman playing Barbara. Barbara. Much better portrayal of Barbara, in my opinion. Much better yes, portrayal. But she still got on my nerves. Yeah. At um, the start, anyway. You know what? I, I can honestly say, coming back to the idea that we already had, where these characters are a lot more realistic, obviously there's going to be a person who acts this way. You know what I mean? There's going to yeah. be somebody who, like, loses their shit. But the best part about Barbara in this one is that she's got a full redemption in this movie. She goes from being, like, traumatized because she just witnessed her brother's neck snapping in one of, like, the most gruesome deaths, man. Like, it hurts to watch, Tim. You said that yourself. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it does. To... Like, she, she's traumatized from it, to she turns around and all of a sudden she's got a pissed off attitude. She just She's just shooting shit because people don't, like, she starts to see the stupidity behind people not believing what's in front of them. There's that whole scene where she's got the Winchester and she's shooting the, uh, the bald uh, zombie. Do you see him dying? Do you see him dying? She's basically calling them morons at this point, and she's going she nuts. She gave me a... Uh... A very Sigourney Weaver from Alien. Yeah. Yes. Good call. call. She's a total Ripley. Total Ripley character, and I love it. And you know what? Patricia Tallman is a great actress. I mean, her time. She's done a lot of Star Trek. She was one of the main recurring characters on Babylon 5. You know, the the major... uh, She had, like, the, the... powers the mental powers and she was like a big character on that show and she was always my favorite on that show um and she's she's done the gamut of things but she was a strong ginger character whoa now, whoa, whoa whoa fellow ginger just, just is it that... wrong that i expected it more just by the appearance of the character i kind of wish they would have kept her as like kind of a uh pretty blonde girl instead of a more butch short-haired redhead who's ready to kick ass and had her kick ass as the pretty blonde girl 
No, because I think at that time it was it was kind of a bit of a trope scenario uh, with horror movies when you know the pretty blondes. You know, you had like the Night of the Comet movies and and all that kind of shit where they had like the pretty blondes became like badass for some reason. So now you have you know the the shorter haired, a little bit butch looking uh, yeah. ginger character that that's kind of like the underdog. But as soon as I saw her, I knew I was like, she's gonna kick some ass in this movie. Yeah. She she definitely comes across that way, and she's she's got it good. She's got it good, and the whole transformation with her is brilliant, brilliant. Um, and that 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 comes down to the fact that we also have her brother played by Bill Mosley of all people, played Johnny. I love this Johnny. He's awesome. Bill Mosley can can't do wrong. I mean, he's he's great. Um, He's a little bit more picking at her, too, which is even funnier. He's got the whole thing where he's talking about his mother coming out of the grave and, No, mother! And he's, 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 he's a joker. I love it. I love it. But yeah, he's got, he's got a very brutal death scene in this movie. It so. actually is a death scene and not just a wrestle to the ground and then stop breathing. It's like yeah. He gets fucked up. He his does. dome gets cracked off that stone and you feel it. Yeah. Yep. Gets me every fucking time. Mm-hmm. Every time. And and once again, because we're talking about differences here, I mean, it's no spoiler. People who are watching this have already seen the movie at this point. The only problem that I had was, in the original, Johnny came back as a zombie, or a ghoul, as they were, and basically took Barbara off to her death. And regardless of how this movie turned out with Barbara, it still would have been badass to have Johnny come back as a zombie, I think. Yeah, no. But instead, we basically, punk him out, and he's in the back of the uh, truck. Yeah. But I guess there was a subplot that they were going to have the mother uh, come up out of the grave and be the zombie, and that was going to be kind of the Johnny reveal, that the mother that they went to go see was a zombie. And it's weird, because watching it, I thought that one of the zombies were the mother. Like, I pieced that together that this old granny was her mother, but I, from what everyone else says, no, that didn't really happen in the movie, but there was a subplot that that was the idea. It's interesting. It, the pieces yeah. might still be there. They might have filmed some of it, but, you know. That's what I mean. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Harry Cooper, played by the amazing Tom Tolls. Tom Tolls. Like, you know, rest in peace, brother. This man was a great actor, you know. I mean, what his... I said earlier about Tony Todd kind of, like, taking Ben and, like, elevating him and the character... Tom Tolls did the exact same thing. Like, yeah. and he did it like he kind of looks like the original actor. You know what I mean? He's like still got the asshole methodology yeah. of the original actor, too. It's great. Yeah. He seems yeah. sleazy. Mm. Like, he is weasley. You, lemon and sleazy. A car lot. you got it. You got it. Um, but, I mean, Tom Tolls is, is renowned in the horror community. I mean, way back to Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, you know, right up to the Rob Zombie Fair. You know, with uh, Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand Corpses. I mean, why Dell? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's awesome. And here we have, you know, a very underappreciated role, I think, of him. Because a lot of people tend to forget that the 1990 remake exists for this movie. And he, he played it incredibly well. Incredibly well. Um, there wasn't too much of a difference with this character. But I found that his story arc and completion was better handled in this movie. Because he's a scuzz bucket. He's a scumbag. He always is, regardless. And the fact that he gets into a shootout with Ben 
and he survives the movie. Hmm. And then she just puts a bullet between his eyes anyway because he's a yeah, scumbag. You fucking dick. You fucking Cold dick. Cold-blooded. That's right. I found that that was a more fitting ending. It was kind of like, you know, the Ben ending in this one because Ben was just... In the first one, it was tragic because he survived and got killed. In this one, it was he survived and got killed, but it wasn't tragic. It was like, you bastard, you deserved it at this point. And unfortunately, Ben fell victim in this one here. So the major, obviously, change is that Ben obviously dies in this one. Um, Spoilers. Well, we already know that, but whatever. Um, the other big change that they had was obviously uh, Tom and Judy, or Judy Rose, as they kind of give her you know, a second name in this one, too. They have a reason to be at this farmhouse, because they came looking for his Uncle Rich. They, they, he has a claim to this house. It's a family house. It's his uncle's place. So they come looking for him, and, and they find the Coopers, and obviously Ben and them come to the house and everything I else, too. I feel like this movie just fixed all the issues with the first one. Like it little just made plot holes. make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think so that that was a... changed drastically, that like changed the story, but they just added enough detail to make it make sense, I think. But I mean, under the guise of John Russo, one of the original writers, him and Romero, I mean, that, that kind of yeah. makes sense that they would go back to it and say, what, what would we have done differently knowing now what we know? Right. And that's kind of how it comes across, right? Let's let's change some of the stuff. And especially because this now, when you look at it, the 1968 is beautiful. It's classic. It's, it's, it's everything that you need in a horror movie. But this one takes it, and it fits it more evenly into the difference. So, like, when you're looking at 1968's Night versus Dawn of the Dead, there are some glaring differences as to how the world has progressed. And, and 90s. I'm so happy that you brought that up because this 90s remake feels like the sequel or the, 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 the Day, Dawn of the Dead is the sequel to this one. Yes, like this progresses yeah. almost like this literally when this one ends, it's like you could literally just cut the, the, the imagery at the end and go right to Dawn of the Dead. And it, it feels like a proper... Conti- and I think that that was a big thing was because even though they did a really good job of it, I mean, in 1968, they did the whole... I love... One of my favorite things about it was when they did the quiet ending, if you know what I mean. There was just the sound of the zombies shuffling around, the chewing on shit, the fire in the background. It was quiet. And then the music kicks in. And you can almost you can see literally that happen in like Dawn of the Dead too. It's quiet. The zombies have taken things over. It's no longer gunfire. It's just shuffling and moaning and chewing. And then the the the, the funky music kicks in. You know from the from the mall, right? And it, it's it's iconic that way. But in every single one of the Romero movies that happens, and this movie is no different. It's just it jumps and kind of flows better into the way that yep. they did Dawn of the Dead. But once again, that comes from experience. They were able to kind of make it fit, you know, knowing how that all goes together. Um, uh, Josh, let's just jump right into your notes. I want to hear what you have to say about this 1990 version. Okay. Oh, here we go. First doing of Night of Living Dead. 
1990 took place September 15, 2020 at 6.52 p.m. So let's be clear. You didn't know that this existed. No, I knew it existed. Oh, okay. But I never watched it. Gotcha. Okay, you may continue. Um, when you guys asked if I'd seen <clears throat> the remake, I thought the remake was the one in the mall. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. That's not the case. So no. this is a beat-for-beat beat remake. And I gotta say, as far as remakes go, this is one of the best. Like, they took a lot of source material and didn't make a whole lot of things worse. No. Uh, the only <clears throat> thing that I would gripe about would be the ending, because that Ben getting shot was so iconic at the end of that movie mm. that I kind of wish they would have put it in there, but I do like that they kept you on your toes enough that they still gave you kind of a twist when Mr. Cooper comes around the corner and she blows him away. Yep. So that was good. Uh, so, getting right in the notes, uh, they brought back the they're coming to get you, Barbara, line, and they kind of cheese it up a bit, which I love. Like the first three minutes, he says it probably three times. He's like, uh, spooky, spooky, coming to get you. And he's hiding behind the grave's tomb. Uh, uh, so far, pretty true to the original. Uh, again, beat for beat, line for line. They did a lot of things to make sure that they didn't piss off fans of the original. But they kept things different enough so that if you've seen the original, you're not going to be bored with this one. Because the first thing that happens is a fake account. And I love that. That the first old dude that comes over and you expect, okay, here they go, they're going to start tussling and go to the ground. Yeah. And then, oh, no, he's just a crazy homeless guy. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then, boom. <laughs> The new one comes in. Mm -hmm. And then my next note was, mm -hmm. I sure hope Barbara is not as useless in this film. I really do. <laughs> Directly after that, my note was, Barbara's got some balls in this movie. Excellent. Yep. Uh, Mr. Cooper is still a jerk. Excellent. I couldn't imagine shooting Uncle Reg. <laughs> Uh, quote, you lame brains. Quote. Cooper. So, you lame brains! Lame brain. You know, they're lame in the brain. I love how they all just have meat mallets. It's like, oh, there's no tools in the house. Raid the oh, kitchen. when they're hammering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's eight meat mallets in this house. Don't worry, everybody grab a meat mallet. We like our meat tender in this house. Oh, man, who's the old lady? Uncle Reg was fixing up the place with shitty press board doors. When he puts his fist through that door, all I can think of is the generation of people that decided that hardwood floors needed to be covered over with laminate tiles. Yes! And press board doors need to be replaced by these nice 100-year-old doors. Uh. There's a special place in hell for those boomers. Like, what a sin against nature. Yeah, yeah I ripped up all the carpet in my house and went right back to the original hardwood floors. Gotta love it. Like, I, I just bought a house, and underneath these laminate floors is the original hardwood. And it's it's like, beautiful. What, what is wrong with you people? Anyways. <laughs> just that, that image of the fist going through the door. I loved it. Mm. Uh, in the background, there's one of the women, I think it's, uh, what's the young couple's name? Judy Rose. 
You got Tom and Judy. That Judy. Yeah, Tom and Judy. Judy's just in the background with a meat mallet, just hitting the door. Like, she don't have no nails or nothing. She's just, like, hitting the door with a meat mallet in the background. You know, the director's like, go, go, look like you're busy putting up nails. And she's just hitting the door with a meat mallet. And I'm like, it was so distracting. <laughs> and then she just yells out, you shot Mr. McDougal! Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the skinny zombie was creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's my favorite one from the movie. The skinny one, yeah. the, the bald one that skinny comes through the window? Skinny guy came in like the little crevice. Yep. And he's <laughs> just wiggling in, yeah. Looked like the mechanic, the, uh, what's his name when he was very skinny in that movie? Oh, uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. Uh, I love the reporter kind of scoffs at, like, the alien life form slash Venus radiation theory. Uh, they mention it in the original, and then in this one, he's kind of talking, and the reporter's like, it could be aliens. That's one thing I disliked about the original. If they're scared of fire, why not just fucking light them all on fire? And they do that in this one. But he's at the torch, and he just starts lighting the guy on fire. Why did you tell me, quote... Okay, so he shot a gas pump. What the fuck did he think was going to happen? Like, he can't get the padlock off, so he gets his rifle up, and he just blows it off. And, surprise, he explodes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dummy. Well. Uh, great callback in the cellar, when the blood splatters all over the uh, gardening trowel. Yep. Love that. Buddy has gun for 30 seconds and immediately blows through all the ammo they have. Like, he gets a hold of the gun and he doesn't even have it for 30 seconds and he's just offloading. Gone. Again, Barbara is being a badass. Uh, poor Ben, he's losing it, just sitting there laughing in the cellar. I just wrote, the fucking gas pump key was there the whole time. And then this quote, what in the name of Jupiter's balls are you doing out here alone, little young lady? <laughs> the hunters. Yeah. Uh, uh, they've reached zombie biker fit fights already. Civilization has crashed in a matter of hours. I like Ben's death a lot more in the original, but I do like the fake out. And then I just wrote, oh shit, she killed him in cold blood. Uh, this is probably the most realistic depiction of a zombie apocalypse in the southern United States I've ever seen. Because this is what would happen. Bunch of good old boys are hopping in their jeeps and 4x4s and shooting some zombies. Alla, beginning of the Dawn of the Dead as well. That's why Dawn of the Dead has been revered as one of the most classic zombie films. Because that's... It's the American mentality behind zombies and the apocalypse. It would just be a bunch of good old boys running around on, you know, choppers and and uh, shooting up on their four-wheelers and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts while watching the remake. All right. Excellent thoughts. Hey there, it's Deborah Voorhees from Friday the 13th Part 5, and you are listening to They Cast from the Coast.
So let's take a minute here and just kind of really, really uh, kind of put it on the table there. We said this before, and I will elaborate. Because Tom Savini directed this and oversaw the special effects, the zombies in this are beautiful. They range from from the, the freshest of zombies with general wounds to the crawled out of the grave zombies that look like absolute garbage shit, you know, with maggots and stuff crawling out of them. Um, beautiful, beautiful. The, this the, the, just you can't go wrong with the way that this one looks um, in, in every which way, right down to even the blind old woman zombie that she that she kills that has like the doll, and she's like screaming at her and stuff like this. It's great. Great. Can't go wrong with the zombies in this movie. The effects work is top-notch. There's no doubt about it. Just gonna put it out there. I can't even pick it apart. It all looks beautiful. It all looks beautiful. Aaron would have found some themes to talk about. He definitely would have. He definitely would have. Our untrained little eyes thought it looked great. I see beauty. I see beauty. Do Do you guys miss Aaron? I miss Aaron. I miss Aaron. I'm looking at the camera right now. Aaron, if you're watching, I miss you, buddy. We love you, Aaron. But we know you're doing good. We know you're doing good stuff, so we'll see you soon. Tim, I think it's time for some trivia Watch. time. Cue it up. Trivia time, Tim! Now, is it really trivia time because of daylight savings? Is that still trivia time, or does that happen in an hour? Does trivia time go back an hour every daylight savings? It's Atlantic trivia time with Tim. Is it a static? Is it static trivia time? It's any time is trivia time with Tim. Greenwich trivia time. Okay, let's 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 do some trivia. As opposed to trivial time with Tim, it's trivia time. Yeah, trivial time is just all the time. Uh, Every other time, other than trivia time, is trivial time with Tim. That's right. You may proceed. Um, Bill Cardile appears as a reporter in both 1968 and 1990. Yeah. At around 39 minutes, a female zombie can be seen walking through the field with uh with the house in the background this zombie hears the banging from the humans in the house trying to board up the windows and is attracted to the noise so she turns and begins staggering towards his house this woman actually owned the house in real life the producers wanted to use her home in the film and agreed to give this woman a small acting part in exchange <laughs> i love it Tom Savini's original vision was he wanted to start the film in black and white, then slowly add color. Oh, which would have been that would have been yeah. neat. That would have been brilliant. Been... <clears throat> There's got to be a fan edit out there that did that. There probably <laughs> should be. Um, at a, around an hour and seventeen minutes, Russell Steiner, who appears in the original Night of the Living Dead as Johnny appears in this movie as Sheriff McKellen, who comments about the zombies. Yeah, they're dead. They're just messed up. Standing by the car. That's really... Yeah. Yeah, they're all messed uh, the up. Mercedes, the Mercedes driven at, by Johnny at the beginning of the film was owned by Tom Savini. According to the director, it was the first car he bought after meeting this meeting with success, and it broke his heart to wreck it during filming. 
Yeah. Uh, Columbia Pictures, who distributed this film, nearly distributed the original Night of the Living Dead in 1968. They requested the original... Uh, they had requested of the original that the producers change the bleak ending to a more upbeat ending before they distribute it. When the filmmakers refused to make the requested changes, Columbia Pictures passed. Huh. Imagine being the guy that has to sit in the board office for the rest of his career, knowing that he passed up. Why did you pass on Night of the Living Dead again? It wasn't yeah. upbeat and jazzy enough. It wasn't upbeat and jazzy enough. Brilliant. Uh, director Tom Savini know, has known Patricia Tallman since they went to college together. He chose to cast her because of her strong-willed demeanor. I can see that. Yep. Those who didn't know, this is Tom Savini's directorial debut. <gasps> uh, Tom Savini also personally pushed hard with the producers to make Barbara the survivor and an action heroine. Well done. Um, this is the only film in the Living Dead series which to date the zombie uprising is mentioned and in brackets over the radio near the end. Uh, apparently Lawrence Fishburne Edition for the role of Ben. Okay, that so would have been, been that would have been cool though. Fucking Cowboy Morpheus? Curtis. I love Fishburne. Morpheus. Cowboy, Cowboy Curtis. Curtis. I love the Cowboy, Cowboy Curtis. Curtis. Before Morpheus, but that's cool. <laughs> Respect. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, originally rated X by the MPAA. Following scenes had to be cut or changed for an R rating. Apparently. There is a close-up of the fire poker in the head of the first zombie that Barbara killed, a gory headshot of McRuder zombie when Barbara shoots him, Blood, a bloodier version of the scene where Barbara shoots and kills the bald zombie who tries to enter through the window, Tom blowing off the zombie's head with a shotgun, Barbara killing uh, another zombie when she takes the gun from the dead cop. Um, so, yeah, it was originally rated X. The autopsy zombie at the beginning of the film was not in the original ugh, original script, but was added by Tom Savini specifically. As a tradition with most zombie movies, the word zombie is never used once. And they are described as the living dead. Ving Rhames was also considered for the part of Ben. Nice. 14 years later, he was then recast in the remake of Dawn of the Dead from 2004. Which, he was awesome in that movie. I fucking loved him. Yeah, he was great. Um, some of the footage that was cut by the MPAA can be seen on the documentary on the DVD. Without Romero on set, Tom Savini clashed with producers who did not allow him to explore this for his version of the film. Hmm. Yeah. Tom Savini said that only 40% of his ideas made it into the final film. 40%? That kind yeah. of sucks. I thought he had a lot more than that going. Um, this contains numerous references to Dawn of the Dead which is awesome because it goes back to what we said earlier. 
<clears throat> this is Tony Todd's first horror film. So it predates, obviously, yeah. Candyman. I wonder if this helped him get the Candyman role. George Romero's voice cameo as the radio announcer. Ha, huh, sweet. Um, Barbara's survival in this film is based off an idea that Romero had for the original version in which Barbara would be the sole survivor. The final girl. Yeah, and it's this is this is one that Josh touched on earlier. In the original, Barbara and Johnny's father's grave and their dialogue confirms that their mother is still alive. In this version, their mother's grave, it's their mother's grave, but no confirmation on whether or not the father is still alive. A variation uh, with Johnny. In the original, he dies at the start, but later comes back as a zombie, just as he did uh, at the cemetery and found Barbara in a corpse pile in the back of the truck. A variation of the Cooper's daughter. Uh, while she dies in both films, the reanimated Karen Cooper is never seen uh, destroyed before Ben retreats to the cellar. In the remake, the zombified uh, Sarah Cooper is taken out by Ben as she emerges from the cellar. And then finally, final, final piece of trivia. Ben spends the film arguing why there, it's better to stay upstairs while Cooper does likewise in the cellar. Ben ends up fleeing to the cellar while Cooper goes to the attic. Ben dies, Cooper lives. Or at least until Barbara kills him. <laughs> so that's an interesting little play with characters. And that, ladies and gentlemen of the internet, was Trivia Time with Tim. Trivia Time with Tim. Classic. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. Um, well. That being said, gentlemen, we're going to cut it short tonight and we're going to go straight to our review finale. Trivia Time with and ratings. Sorry. Okay. Uncalled for. Uh, I just want to sing. I got music in my heart, Josh. Music's in my heart. Music's in the heart. All right. Tonight, I'm going first. Motherfucker. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> Josh said it right earlier. This is how you do a remake. Well done. This is... Fuck yeah. This is this is how you do a remake. I mean, when you look at it, uh, you know you got John Carpenter's The Thing, you got Cronenberg's The Fly, you got this is a great remake as well. Night Living Dead, nineteen ninety. It paid homage. It is a love letter to the original. It doesn't murder the original. It simply took its time to fix what a lot of people had concerns about later in life. You know, like it kind of updates it and fills in some plot holes and some gaps provides us with some amazing special effects that being said it does take away from some of the original uh josh you were correct i do prefer the the social commentary so to speak of the way that ben dies in the original i love the tragedy behind the fact that the original is not a happy ending for anybody you know that that's that was always a big thing for me with the original night of the that Dead. horror movies are supposed to be yeah like it's the original Night of the Living Dead, it's a tragic story. Beginning to end, it's a tragedy. In this one, they did update it. They they gave some some balls to the to the main character and she becomes a heroine and she's a final girl and it's a Ellen Ripley situation. Everybody wins. It's great. But it diverges. And diverging is not always a bad thing, but it's no longer the original in that sense. 
So they did do something extremely different. Is that bad? No. Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Good guess, Tim. Good guess. It's not bad. But it once again, I'm going to go back to it. It's not the original. It's this movie for all intents and purposes is a great watch. I do love it. I love it. It's a, it's a vibrant, colorful movie. It's got amazing special effects. Tom Savini's awesome. Tony Todd, Patricia Tallman, I love you all. You're amazing. That being said, I feel for all intents and purposes that the original is a superior version. And I have to say that because deep down in my soul, I feel that way. Down in the cockles? Down in the cockles of my heart and soul. The the subcockles? Even the subcockle region, (laughs) Tim. That's right, because I'm an asshole. Because I'm an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Thank you. And as much as I do love this film, and this is in a fairly regular rotation for me, because the best part, the, the worst part was, this movie took forever to hit DVD. And it was hard to even find a VHS copy of this movie. Like, you went to Blockbuster and you rented it, but, like, I remember there being many years between viewings on this movie because I just couldn't find it in places. So when I finally got a DVD copy of it, I held on to it like it was gold. And and that's it remains in my collection, the original DVD copy that I bought. I love this movie. I love a lot about it. But I gotta tell you, I'm only gonna go as far as giving it an R. Why? Because even though it's an even though it's an it's an amazing movie, it changed just enough from the original that I love so dearly that it diverged and kind of took it down a different path that I didn't quite as appreciate as much. And I know I'm going to catch flack from people for that one, but it's true. Maybe, or maybe no one cares. R recommended. Josh. (laughs) Everything you said, but the opposite. You see, I think it took everything that I disliked about the original and made it better. Every gripe that I had with the original, things that didn't make sense, the fact that it was dated, it corrected them for me. And it stayed true enough to the original that it still had all the great aspects that makes the first one a masterpiece. So, I'm going to give this an X based on the fact that the first one, my only gripe with it was that it was dated so this is like watching a foreign film being translated versus watching a foreign film that's remade in your culture and you're able to uh, connect with it more versus trying to expand the belief of uh, the different culture Okay. I think this in my opinion is the better of the two completely subjectively now taking out the fact that the first one is a legacy and horror wouldn't exist without it if we just look at the two films compared side to side the effects are better over here the story's the same and the story's what makes it great uh i'm gonna give the remake an x well said well said tim um, 
Well, gentlemen, I share many of the same sentiments. <laughs> but I do. I read it. Um, this, this is one of those very weird situations for me where I love this movie almost as much as I love the original. But like Josh said, it takes many of the shortcomings of the original and fixes them. Um, I feel that if this movie was directed by anybody else, it wouldn't have been as good. Mm. Um, the fact that Tom Savini not only loves the subject material so much, <coughs> excuse me, but is such a genius and powerhouse of effects that he took George Romero's original Night of the Living Dead and made it even more amazing. Um, and I hate that because George Romero's vision was amazing. That first movie was amazing. But to use kind of a Star Wars reference, it's like Night of the Living Dead 68 was 77 Star Wars. But then Tom Savini comes in and takes the same material and then makes Empire Strikes Back, which is the remake. Right. So Star you know Wars I mean? is legacy. Yeah. Star Wars is the genre defining but yeah. Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. And based on that analogy alone, I have to also give this movie an X. Nice. Um, I thought that the acting was more relatable. Um, I know, I can't remember who touched on it earlier, but like the, the, the portrayals of me being alive in 1990, yeah. they acted like people from 1990. And they acted in a way that to me was more relatable, more believable. Um, and I, 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 I'm not taking anything away from like, you know, um, Dwayne Jones or, um, any of the other actors from the original 68, but I just feel that this new ensemble cast just did a better job. Um, the original 68 is fucking classic and like I said it's 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 one of my favorite movies. I watched the 68 version more than I do with the 90, but I like the 90 better. Does that make sense? Like I don't know. Um yeah, I give this I give the 90 remake an X. Um Savini killed it. Killed it. That he did. That he did. It it's it's a brilliant movie. It's wonderful. It still goes in heavy rotation and everybody Everybody needs to see this. And people need to stop with the friggin' oh, remakes, oh, remakes. No. Remakes can be good. Remakes. Yeah. Remakes, yes. Remakes can be good. Oh, yeah, and this sits up there on the high end of remakes. There's this is the way that you do it. This is this is it, people. This is it. So thank you guys. Good night. Good discussion. Good ratings. Good movies. So Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, checking us out on this episode. Please check us out on Facebook, Misunderstood Our Company. We're also on YouTube, Misunderstood Our Company. Like, share, subscribe. Tell everybody that we exist and show the love. We also produce audio copies of this. Every week, once again, all this content is released on those platforms, including the podcasting platforms known as Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify, plus some more coming. And uh, we're also on Patreon, by the way. So uh, open up your hearts and your wallets. 
by Tim McAfee because he runs on caffeine. And <laughs> he does, he does. And from there, Josh. Good night, you lame brains. And Tim. Stay safe. Stay spooky. Have a good night, everybody. See you next time. Good night. <laughs>